every so often as a church, we love to hear people's stories. And we're a church that strongly believes in relationship. Um, I had the pre- privilege of speaking at a conference this week for Baptist churches, um, for pl- church planning, all about church planning, and uh, was able to go along and share our story as a church. And one of the things I, I talked about was the fact that we planted this church with the understanding that it's all about relationship. Come from a large church where it was all about programs um, more than people uh, or become like that. And so we really believe that God wanted to establish a church that was based on relationships. Number one, our relationship with God. And then you can't have a relationship with God without having a relationship with people. It doesn't mean it doesn't get messy sometimes because who knows relationships are messy but that's all right because God is in the mess he loves to create order out of chaos and uh, so we we need to you know acknowledge the mess so that God can help us with it and um, tonight we've got some of our wonderful people coming to share their mess coming to share where they came from and and what they were like before God got a hold of their lives. And it's really exciting. And I I think it's a real privilege for us to hear people's stories. And it's a lot of guts to get up here and share it. And so I want to ask you to really get behind them, support them, love on them, and show them how amazed and excited you are for what God has done in their lives. Amen? Is that cool? Well, I'm going to invite number one, first off the rank, the one and only Crystal. The amazing Crystal is going to come and share her story. Isn't Crystal amazing? She's a different woman from when she first came here, but uh, she's going to tell you more about that. So I think you need to give her one more big round of applause. Okay. So... During my teenage years, I was bullied all through school growing up and I had pretty much no friends. And then I moved from primary school to a completely new school and had to make brand new friends over again, which then I was bullied and having... Growing up with an eating disorder, I chose to comfort eat and which then led to an event at one stage, dad had had enough and started abusing me verbally and physically. He would make me stand in the mirror for an hour looking at myself, calling myself fat and at this stage I didn't like felt like I wasn't wanted and that it was my fault even though deep down I knew that I I didn't know what was going on and he would leave me with black eyes and covered in bruises 
then a few years part and then after that I moved in with mum and stopped talking to him and then after a few years I started talking to him slowly and like slowly rebuilding our relationship and it I even at that day and now it's I feel it's not as strong as it was before then but and then when I was living with mum I was focusing on school and started making friends at school and felt life was going good and felt like I was finally fitting in and then mum lost her job and let and fell into an ice addiction started using it pretty much 24 7 and at that time I didn't realize that she, I knew something was going on because she was ignoring me and like her behaviors weren't normal but and then I was left to use my funds to then provide for my younger brother. At this stage, I was 17. My little brother was about six or seven. I would have to get him up and ready for school, making sure he had recess, lunch, making sure he was getting his homework done. And I felt like I had all this responsibility on me and like I had to, there were time, so many times I wanted to break down but I stopped myself because I wanted to, didn't want my brother to see me break down because I knew he needed someone there who was strong that he could look up to and then after this, I moved into a youth shelter in the city where I was then constantly bullied and had, at first, had no friends and I made a few friends and not long, a, a few months after that, I was admitted to a hospital for a month because doctors were so worried about my weight and how it was affecting me physically and like in all my heart and stuff and which was hard hospitals are boring <laughs> and but I was losing weight and then after that, I moved into a disability respite home with 10 other people, which was hard because there was so many people and so many different disabilities to learn about. But I had friends and then I was living... And then I moved into a unit with a girl where I was 
she was constantly bullying me and acting like she was my parent or guardian. So I was then spending pretty much every weekend out at a friend's house. And at this stage, I felt I was turning to alcohol and smoking to just like calm down that pain and take away all the emotional and mental pain because I didn't know. I was scared to tell people and didn't know how to open up. And then I was shown this Christian movie and it really, I don't know, it just touched my heart when I watched it and I after that, I thought I'd go to one or two services to try and see what church was like. At first, I was a bit nervous. and But then after coming a couple of times, I made the decision to give my life to Jesus. And even though I... We all struggle still, even with God in our lives. I know that he will never leave me and that I am not alone. And since giving my life to Jesus, I've moved into a place to help me lose weight. And it's been, why it's been good and helped me physically it's been really hard mentally as I had to give up my independence and at times I feel isolated and alone but I know deep down that I'm not and that God has helped me with this and given me the strength and with the support of friends and family and all the prayers, I have become stronger and I have also learnt to and grown in my faith and trust with God. And I, since living in this place, I have had a few times I've self-harmed, but I mean... And it's not something I want to do. And I know one day that I will overcome this and I'll be set free. But for now, i just got to give it to God and have faith and trust in him. And, well, I've lost 100 kilos in just over two years. That's pretty amazing, an amazing story. Not easy, not easy to be up here and share it, but to step out and 
and put her faith in God and trust in God and then put herself in a place where she can get the help she needs. Crystal is a testimony to God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And uh, you're definitely a better woman for it. And uh, you're half the woman you used to be. But, but twice the woman you were ever before. Amen. I would love us just to pray for Crystal. I just felt as she was sharing we should pray for her so she knows she's got a family with her and to stand with her and uh, believe with her. So we're just going to pray. If you like, you don't have to stand, but if you want to reach your hands forward, I'm going to ask Julie to lead us in prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for Crystal. God, we thank you for all the crystals out there in the world. And God, she stands here as a testimony to what your love can do. And we just um, honour you and praise you. And God, I just pray right now for Crystal that you would just be her, continue to be her strength. God, that you continue to heal all those areas, God, that are so hurt and broken by others. God, I pray just continue to give her peace, new peace, new strength. God, as you've taught her the lesson of being alone that she needs to lean on you, God, I pray that you would use her to encourage others. Lord, just as she already is and does, God, that she'll be able to share how you have been her strength in the lonely times. God, I pray take her testimony and just let it encourage other, others out there. God, we thank you for her and we pray your blessing on her life. We pray for fruitfulness. We pray for abundance. We pray, God, that you would just lead her and guide her and and take her on to the next area. God, that when the time comes for her to be independent, God, that you would bless her as an independent woman and that you would help her future, God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask your blessing. Amen. Thank you, Crystal, for being brave enough to share your story. Now, everyone's story is different, and this next story is coming from Stephen, who is going to give you a very different perspective, because some of us don't go through all of that sort of stuff. Um, so why don't you put your hands together for Stephen as he comes to share. Thank you. So, hello, I'm Stephen. Um, I'm married to Ali over there. I have four daughters, uh, also related to Mao and Monica through uh, law. <laughs> uh, so, I'm just going to give a quick recap of uh, my life. Uh, then I'll uh, insert what I've learnt through, uh, uh, through what God's taken me through. Um, so, I was born in... Uh, Adelaide in Flinders Hospital. I was, uh, lived in Ranella. Then we moved to Aldinga, down to Morford Vale, Aldinga. Uh, spent three years in Lamaru, uh, that's sort of near the, near the Victorian border. Um, then I moved back to Aldinga. That's where we settled until the remainder of my um, childhood. Um, uh, I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was two. Uh, doctors told my parents that uh, I would be a vegetable by 12. Um, but uh, I was healed at two and a half, so that was good. Um, subsequently, I, I gave my life to the Lord about three years old. 
Um, I was baptised in the Holy Spirit around five or six. That was down at uh, a little church called Southside, down in Happy Valley. might not know it. Um, then I was baptised up at Lamaru uh, when I was about eight years old. Um, so I met Ali after some rumours had circulated that uh, she liked me. Turns out people feeding her the same rumours as well that I liked her. So, yeah. um, so uh, I was about 16 at the time. Um, that was in year 11. Uh, I joined the Army Reserves in uh, when I was 17. Uh, got an apprenticeship when I was 18. I married Ali when I was 19. Uh, Sarah, which is my oldest, is uh, she was born when I was 20. I uh, had my first missions trip to the Philippines in, uh, when I was 21. Um, let's see, Emma was born later that year. I, I finished uh, my apprenticeship uh, at around 22, uh, late 22, maybe 23, and tried uh, some different uh, workplaces. I ended up uh, going full-time with the Army as a, uh, well, they call it a metalsmith, but it's a, it's a welder. Um, uh, that was age 23, moved up to, to Townsville in North Queensland. Um, uh, Leah was born when I was 24, so about a year after we, we were up there. Uh, moved to Blakeview, down Elizabeth Way, I went to uh, Edinburgh Barracks, I was working there, I was the first metalsmith there in 50 years. Um, yeah. I was about 25 at the time. Uh, Madeline was born when I was 27. Uh, went back to Townsville at 28. Uh, let's see, I was discharged from the army at 30. Um, worked as a security guard whilst uh, trying uh, Bible college. Um, uh, yeah, did all right at security, not so well at, at Bible college. Ali injured her back around 32, uh, but then it was healed six months later at a, at a uh, what was it, a music practice. Yeah. Um, yeah where are they? Let's see. Last year I had my second missions trip uh, to Sri Lanka when I was 33. Um, not long. After that, uh, Ali had got a, well, actually she got a new boss before that, but uh, they weren't compatible. Um, <laughs> we'll say she, long story short, she, he kept blaming her for all his problems and uh, eventually got rid of her, um, which led us into a predicament which we um, sought God, God after and he led us back here. Um, So um, so we didn't know if we would have the money, uh, needed a truck um, to transport all our belongings back. I actually got my truck licence, I did a bit of delivery work for Harvey Norman whilst, um, whilst I was doing a security guard work as well. Um, so I had a truck licence but no truck, no real, no, money was hard to come by. Um, but uh, 
in the end, God provided a truck and just enough money to get us uh, down. Uh, uh, let's see, I arrived, everything was done, not even a week before the borders closed for COVID-19. So that was good. Um, in March, the first time around. Yeah. Um, so we've been blessed with a house. Uh, Ali's uh, worked for Ali, worked for myself. Uh, peace after what was quite a uh, tough slog. Um, so during my childhood, I struggled with uh, lack of uh, concentration and uh, always uh, thought I was dumber than everyone else. That was uh, to do with ADD and things like that. Uh, when uh, in married life, uh, we struggled uh, to make ends meet uh, at the start as I became apprentice. I got married in my second year apprentice. I was only earning, what, $250, $8.50 an hour, something like that. Uh, and that was not an, really enough to survive on when Sarah was born. But we did it, um, through God's help, I think. Um, uh, we dug ourselves a bit of a big of a ditch after uh, joining the army, thought all my money woes were over. Got two car loans, didn't we? That was a big mistake. It almost landed us in bankruptcy. No, I was 24 at the time. Um, uh, Ali was, uh, was wheelchair-bound uh, for most of her pregnancy with Leah and with Madeline, uh, which is my third and fourth children. Uh, so what was happening was her pelvis was splitting too far because of the weight of the baby. Uh, this caused problems not only in the pregnancy but afterwards she had back, back problems. She ended up, um, that was, it was a contributing factor for her injuring her back a bit later on. Um, yeah, so she was in a wheelchair. Um, uh, we had times in our life where we didn't know if we would you know, have a have a home over our heads. Uh, uh, we spent uh, most of the time wondering how how to pay the bills. Um, uh, but it's it's mine and probably Ali's belief too uh, that uh, God kept helping us uh, or spending us help uh, when we uh, needed it, uh, whether we whether it was our fault or whether it was just bad luck uh, to begin with. But so what have I learnt? Uh, I learnt that I need to continue to trust and rely on God, uh, turning to him for help and guidance uh, in times of need. I need to stay uh, faithful in service, uh, in prayer and seeking his wisdom for my life. I need to stay humble, realising... And, and learning the truth about uh, what God says about me uh, through the Bible. Um, uh, no matter what church uh, I am in or where I find myself, uh, always uh, serve in whatever capacity I can. Um, I need to be thankful for what I have uh, and what I have been given because... It's only by God's grace that I have anything anyway. Thanks for listening. I hope that's helped.
Bear with me a sec. I have technology, not paper. Yeah. <laughs> I came sort of unprepared, but not unprepared actually, but I just couldn't be bothered writing anything. <laughs> uh, I've just moved into a new place recently and I had to put up uh, some new furniture and I hate instruction manuals. They're terrible, uh, especially Kmart ones specifically. Like, forget Ikea ones. If you've ever had to put together Kmart furniture, Natalia, you should know this as, a, as a, an employee, um, Kmart furniture sucks. <coughs> I, I, was, I was putting it up for about half an hour trying to figure out which pieces go into which spots. I just could not figure it out. They do not make it clear at all. Um, <coughs> this analogy, though, of terrible furniture and terrible instruction manuals is actually a way that I like to sum up some of the ways that I was brought up in my life. Um, I've had three points in my life that have been really difficult to... What's the word? What's in my notes? <laughs> um, it was considered most important for, development, uh, for developing children, excuse me, um, <clears throat> so as we explore my life, maybe you might see it while we're going along. The first aspect of my life that was affected was my social capacity. I grew up with a lot of video games, a lot of Star Wars and a lot of other movies. Star Wars especially though, I used to watch it for hours, still do. Um, <clears throat> every time I used to interact with people at school, it was either playing games, talking about Star Wars, making movie references, that was all I ever had. Someone actually asked me a pop-up on Wednesday why I make so many movie references and why I reference so many dead memes. This is the reason why. This was the only thing that I had for me. I had my brothers, and they taught me some very bad habits. They taught me how to swear and how to stick the finger up at people. That's, <laughs> that's all that they taught me. <laughs> this is a five-year-old man you. <laughs> By the time I was in high school, there was only three things that I used to be social. First one was swearing. <laughs> Second one was video games, and the third one was screaming. Screaming was a unique one. The reason that I screamed was because I was so desperate for attention, and I'll get into that in a second. But I'm a very loud person, and yeah, that was year eight for me, was just screaming around the schoolyard. There's nothing wrong with me. I've got no... <laughs> I've, got, I've got no outlying like, problems in my head. I've got ADHD, that's about it. I've got, well, I've got ADHD and dyslexia, that's about it. I've got nothing else wrong with me. I just didn't know how to blend in with crowds. There was a second aspect of my life, which was my emotional capacity. The first two conscious memories that I have of being a child were my mum and dad arguing. Second time I saw them arguing was the time that dad stopped seeing me on the weekends. I was devastated. I still, still kind of am. Like I, I see him now, but it still haunts me that that even happened in the first place. There was a point when I was about eight years old where I started to starve myself, and I'm still suffering from it now. You see, I'm, I'm still quite skinny. That was the reason. I got so skinny at one point that my mum thought I was gonna die. My bones were showing everywhere. They still do, but not as bad as they used to. As time went on, somebody, some incredibly intelligent, I'm being sarcastic by the way, decided to introduce Boys Don't Cry into my life. So what did I start doing? I started to mask my emotions. When I was 16, I had to get a psychiatric assessment because my depression got to a really bad state where I couldn't hide it anymore. But even on the first two meetings that I saw my psychiatrist, I still managed to hide my depression from him. By the time the results came back on the third and fourth meetings, he diagnosed me with clinical depression, which if you guys don't know, it's one of the highest. 
It's one of the worst points that you can be. Actually, I should say lowest. It's one of the lowest points you can be. I was heavily suicidal. I had suicidal thoughts almost every night. And the only way that I processed these emotions was through my video games. People couldn't see me. They could only hear me. I would be yelling. I'd be screaming. I'd be swearing at people on the screen just because they killed me for some stupid reason. But nobody could see the tears that were behind the screen. And that was what was the important thing for me. I didn't want anybody to see it. And the third aspect was my trust. With these two things combined, I'd already felt pretty helpless, uh, pretty worthless. Sorry. The icing on the cake was the first proper father figure that I had in my life. Not my actual dad. This was the first figure that I had in my life. My mum was dating this man, and we lived with him for about six months when we were living in Gula. And this guy, even the most Christian Christians in this room, I swear, would have trouble forgiving this guy. He was terrible. I'm sure Pastor Ben would have trouble forgiving this guy. <laughs> he was very manipulative. He was very verbally abusive. And he was very neglectful of my situation. I had, when I was in my room, my room was a storeroom. There was a queen-size bed in my room. There was furniture and stuff all around the side of my room. I had about a floor mat space to get dressed. I could open my door. I could close my door. That was my space. I had to actually climb over things to get into my bed. And he didn't care. He just left it like that. There was one time that I remember I got home past my curfew. Can you guys guess how long past my curfew I was? One minute past my curfew. And that man belittled me for an entire hour. I was in bed trying to sleep and he was standing there yelling at me, saying I was the worst person in the world. And I believed it. I started to believe that I was the worst person in the world just because this guy was saying it to me. At one point, I remember I said, no wonder my dad walked away. That's hard to think about these days. It's so hard that I even thought that. There's three things, but these three things have one thing in common. I'm not referring to the video games. I'm not referring to the fact that I use video games as a coping mechanism. What I'm referring to is that relationship was missing. In the three areas where relationship should have been key for a child. There was no relationship in my circumstance. I don't think that guy was trying to put relationship in me. Video games was my relationship. I used to laugh with video games. I used to talk to the screen. I'd make stories. I'd cry with video games. That was my social capacity. That was my emotion. That was my trust. My only trust was in the video games that I played. But see, after all that, God still found me and showed me what true relationship really is. When I was 14, I just had an argument with my mum and a friend of mine invited me over to his house. And because of that friend, I went to youth group that night when I was 14 years old. Two years later, I was baptised on the 20th of November, 2016. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 25 says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. 
This morning, Julie talked about relationship and our walk with God. I remember that as she spoke, the most important commandments of all in the Bible are love God with all your hearts and love neighbour second. The builder built his life upon the rock. He built his relationship with God and his house would not be knocked down. The Bible that we Christians carry, the Bible that we read, this is our life instruction manual. It's not just a book. Instruction manuals may not always be clear. Came up furniture. (laughs) But God has knowledge hidden in verses, in all of the verses of the Bible, even some of the weird ones. (laughs) And Jesus even says this to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 12. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. In this season of waiting on God, perhaps someone out there is just waiting on God for instruction. And what God is saying is at the moment, you may not be able to bear it, but it will happen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says, patient endurance is what you need now. So you will continue to do God's will and then you will receive all that God has promised. We sing a song, Waymaker. The first three words in the, the first three lines in the chorus, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. God keeps his promises because he makes those promises to be kept. There's no rush to his promises, but he will keep them. Thank you. Why don't we thank all of those guys, David, Crystal, Stephen. It takes a lot of courage to do that, to share your story. But you heard in all of their stories they'd found a place where they trusted God. That now they trust God. Now they have God in their lives. They have God who they know is always with them. Their lives aren't perfect. They're still not all together. There's still a work in progress. But with God, anything is possible. Amen? Amen. I just want you to just bow your heads right now in prayer. As we come to a close, and we're going to finish in just a moment. But I would ask you to consider today where your relationship with God is at at this stage. Maybe you've been encouraged by what you've heard. Maybe you've been challenged by what you've heard. And you thought, I need to lift my game. Or maybe you've been encouraged to say, I've got to just keep doing what I'm doing. I've just got to be faithful to what God has called me to. I just want you to take a moment to reflect on what's been said, reflect how it affects your life and where you're at right now, and just ask God for his help. Take a moment to say, God, I am reminded that my life is in your hands and I trust you again. I'm going to ask David to come and just close in prayer and just pray for all of us and pray over the each one here. But right where you're at, you do your moment with God and then David's going to just pray in close. Let's take a moment.
God, I thank you that we're all here today, that we can hear various stories from different people who have all come from different circumstances. God, I pray for everybody's circumstance right now. Everyone is unique. Everyone has different situations. Everyone has different emotions that they process. But the one thing that we have in common is you. So God, I just pray right now that everybody here can just see you in their lives, can see what your plan is, can see that you want to build relationship with them, God. I just pray these things in your name. Amen. Awesome. Why don't we just give them all one big last clap. Hang around for a tea and coffee. There's plenty of time. It's still early. So uh, hang around for tea and coffee. Make sure you go and have a chat to the guys who shared tonight. Encourage them. Get around them. And uh, God bless you. Pop quiz. What's next week? 10 a.m. Make sure you're at 10 a.m., not 5 p.m. God bless.